0: Bookie, I hope you guys have taken my advice and already gotten in on the action this week at MyBookie, where they're offering all these great Thanksgiving week promos, but if you haven't, there's still some time, there's still days left this week for you to take advantage of those promos. All you have to do is go to MyBookie.ag, use our code UGA, and you get a 50% bonus on your first deposit on top of all of them, and every day, the rest of the week, they're going to have different promo deals for you guys to take advantage of, so jump on it while you still can. At mybookie.ag. All right, guys. I am your host Tyler, and yes, I am still a little bit under the weather. I don't know how my voice sounds. I think my voice still sounds bad, but I can never tell. I'm on the road to recovery. I'm not dead yet. On Tuesday night, when Charlie and I recorded the picks episode, I wasn't sure. It was kind of touch and go there. I wasn't sure I was gonna make it. I, I'm, I'm honestly shocked I even got through that episode, but some way somehow I did. But Road to recovery, getting there. Hopefully by Saturday, I will be full go 100% or at least close enough to it. And as you guys know, this has been a little bit of a different week for us with Thanksgiving going on. We've kind of had to switch the order of our episodes around a little bit. Normally, this final episode of the week would be our picks episode, but with games starting on Thursday night with the Egg Bowl, we wanted to make sure we had those picks for you guys earlier in the week. So we just kind of switched this episode with that picks episode. And here we are with our full-on deep dive preview into this matchup between Georgia and Georgia Tech, the latest edition of Clean Old fashioned hate. And speaking of hate, I assure you, we will get into all the nitty gritty, all the details of the Georgia Tech offense, the Georgia Tech defense, all of those things. But before we get there, I have a PSA of sorts specifically for the younger generation of Georgia fans out there. I know we have a wide variety of listeners, listeners of all ages that that tune in every week to listen to this podcast. But I also know there are a number of you that are in college. Some of you that are even in high school. And I have a message for everyone, but specifically for you younger fans. I want to make this very, very clear. If it hasn't already been made clear enough through the nine years of us doing this podcast. I hate Georgia Tech. I hate them with every fiber of my being. I hate every single about them I hate that city that they're in I hate their colors I hate their mascot I hate the freaking stupid train whistle that they play at their stadium I hate their piddly stadium speaking of that stadium I hate their fans who think they're fans but they're not actually fans I hate everything about that program that team that school whatever but I feel like I am increasingly becoming part of the minority in that regard I feel like our recent dominance has in some ways blunted some of that hate from portions of our family, specifically the younger fans. I, I think truly all you guys, younger fans, I love you guys. I appreciate you. This is not a shot at you, but I just don't think you quite get it because how could you get it? For basically your entire lifetime, at least the time you've been paying attention to Georgia football, we've dominated Georgia Tech. And under Kirby Smart, that dominance has been to a degree that we have never seen before in the history of the series. But the idea that there are people in this fan base that do not hate Georgia Tech with a deep abiding passion. That's unacceptable to me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Look, I know all you younger fans out there. I know that Georgia Tech does not beat us often. I know in your lifetime, you might not even remember them actually beating us. But I'm here to tell you at my advanced age these days, when they do, it's rare. But when they do, those years have been the most miserable years of Of my life and therefore I never tire of beating Georgia Tech in my opinion it is a birthright of a Georgia fan to hate Georgia Tech and we need to honor that birthright that is an obligation of ours as Georgia Bulldogs and look I know the arguments yeah they suck we kill them every year you have to actually beat us to be a rival they aren't actually rivals anymore but that's missing the point that's totally missing the point I do not hate Georgia Tech because they are on our level and because they challenge us. Like maybe Florida has once upon a time, maybe Tennessee has once upon a time or Auburn once upon a time. That's not why I hate Georgia Tech. My hate for Tech is a far more base type of hatred. It isn't about competitiveness. It's about who they are at their core. We are talking about a bunch of freaking nerds who think being an engineer is the only thing of value that you can do with your life. And if you aren't one of those, you are beneath them. They are the self anointed, intellectually superior bunch of people who will talk crazy trash behind the computer that they put together themselves on another dateless Friday night at home alone. But when they see you on the streets, they somehow can't manage to get the words past the erector set they've got going on in their mouths. And they look down on us, guys. Take my word for it. If you younger fans don't interact with Georgia Tech fans on the regular on a regular basis, take my word for it. They look down on us. We are beneath them. Their arrogance knows no bounds. That's who we are talking about. So as much as I hate Tennessee, and as much as I hate Florida, and as much as I hate Auburn, all these other teams that we play on a regular basis. I at least have a certain level of respect for them because for the most part, they do it right. They actually, I don't know, care about their teams. They actually, I don't know, go to their games, support their teams. Their programs have actually had at least some level of success against us in the recent past. They actually try to win. So I have at least a begrudging type of respect for those programs. But I have absolutely zero respect for Georgia Tech. And I have known kids that... Hey, once upon a time, I used to like them. And they went to Georgia Tech, and they're dead to me. That's how my brain operates. I I don't know any other way. So again, for you younger fans out there, love you guys. But I want you to understand how much this game means to Tech. It may not mean anything to you. And that's part of my fear moving forward as a Georgia fan. I think the younger generation just don't care about this game. I see all these people talking about how, hey, we shouldn't play Tech anymore. And I get that to a degree because if we don't play Tech, then you can play more cool non-conference games. I get that argument, but I just can't go for it, man. I just cannot go for it. So it might not mean anything to you, but it is everything, every year to Georgia Tech. I mean, they could the old cliche is true. They could go 1-11 every year, but if they beat us, It'd be all good, man. It'd be all gravy. They'd be crowing all off season long. And you young fans are the future of this rivalry. I need you to understand this. And yeah, sure. I, I totally admit, usually Georgia Tech is not good enough to compete on the field, despite how much they might want to, no matter how big the game is to them. And that is almost certainly the case again this year, but I will say this for this year's Georgia Tech football team. This is the best Tech team that we have faced in at least five years. I would argue it's probably the best Tech team that we faced since 2016. That's back in the days of Paul Johnson, when they were still running that high school offense. They are actually a pretty good football team this year. They are both eligible for the first time since 2018. They went into Miami and won. They beat North Carolina. Yeah, they also lost to Bowling Green. That did happen. Yeah, they also lost... To Boston College, who is a bowl team, but not an especially good bowl team. But back in week one, they also pushed Louisville. Louisville's lost one game. Lost an inexplicable game to Pitt on the road a couple weeks back. But Louisville, I know it was week one, and they hadn't seen Georgia Tech's offense at that point. Didn't have the film on them. But th- that was a game that Tech probably should have won. They were winning late in the second half and ended up losing late 39-34. And Louisville's the top 10 team in the country. Now, they might be a fraudulent top 10 team in the country because they haven't really played anybody with the pulse, maybe with the exception of Notre Dame, but... That's still a game that Tech easily could have won back in week one. So what I'm telling you is, yes, they are inconsistent. They're very inconsistent, but they are capable of putting a scare into some at least pretty good football teams. Now, we are obviously by far the best team that they have faced to this point this season, and we are on a different level than everyone else that they have played on their schedule. But this is a team that when they don't turn the ball over, can actually do some things. In fact, traditionally, I have not done a Georgia Tech preview episode. Usually we do like a a half Georgia Tech preview episode, half mailbag episode, where I spend like 15-20 minutes previewing the Tech game because I don't think anyone usually cares about Georgia Tech, and that's always my fear, right? It's like fans out there, they just kind of lost the hate of Georgia Tech. I've always had it. I always want to do a full-on preview of Georgia Tech, but I also run a podcast and try to give you guys the content that you want, and if you don't typically want to hear me talk about a specific game, then why would I waste time doing that? But I'm now at the point where I feel it's incumbent upon myself to do my duty as a Georgia fan and remind everyone, first off, how much tech sucks and also why we still need to make sure we don't overlook them. Because that's the thing, guys. Tech is not on our level, not even like remotely close. I am not trying to suggest that. Make sure you hear me when I say that. It's not what I'm suggesting. But the first step to getting upset is to not take the opponent seriously. And look, I know that really what matters is how the team approaches the game, how the team feels about the game. What is their perception of the opponent? I know that's ultimately what matters, but also don't think for a second that our attitude, our general attitude as a fan base does not seep into the team. Because we are living in a far too connected world in the social media world for not to in some way somehow seep into the team's mindset. Kirby Smart knows that, guys. He understands that. That's why he sends messages through the media during his press conference talking about how great this team is, how good this team is. I know you guys don't respect them, but you don't know what you're talking about. He understands that the players read social media. They live in this digital world that we all occupy, and they cannot help but see what is being said about this game and how fans are viewing this game and how many fans are already looking ahead to the SEC Championship game. Now, Kirby does his damnedest to combat that. He does a pretty good job, right? But don't think for a second that the way that we collectively as a fan base view this game doesn't make its way to the team in some way, shape, or form. It does. And that's why I think it's important that we as a fan base, like one person, doesn't really matter what I think, but collectively, it's important for us to understand that we need to take every game seriously, even this game. Even though Tech is not on our level, we need to hate them and we need to take the game seriously and then take care of business, move on to Alabama, and go the rest of the way. But you cannot overlook the rival whose biggest game every single year is playing you. The only thing they really want to do every year is beat you. Because if you overlook that, that's how you set yourself up for an upset now they have to be good enough to beat you on the field but if you overlook it that's the first step to allowing them to kind of sneak in there to open that window ever so slightly for them to maybe maybe find a way to make it happen but all right guys enough of my PSA I'll step off the soapbox now and we'll get to the specifics of the offense the defense the matchups the players personnel all that stuff but first I want to remind you one more time about our great friends at my bookie Thanksgiving is finally here, and I'm telling you guys, I'm looking forward to feasting on some good food and football at My Bookie. Now, if you're still trying to figure out where to play, guys, look no further. I've been telling you all year, My Bookie is the place to go because they keep it simple. You bet, you win, you get paid, and boom, you're ready to go. So, celebrate Thanksgiving this week with My Bookie. They're hosting a whole bunch of boosted bets, cash contests. And so many more options that you don't want to miss. And the best part about this, guys, is with my bookie, you don't have to be a sports whiz. Like, I know you guys know your football, but. But hey, maybe you also are into politics, maybe you're into TV, all those kind of things. They have all sorts of different areas where you can actually bet on things and put some money in your wallet. So sign up today, make your first deposit using my promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. It's tough to beat that, guys. So take advantage of it while you can and bet anywhere, anytime on absolutely anything only with my bookie. All right, guys, let's get into this Georgia Tech football team. Let's start with the offense because the offense has been the driving force behind Georgia Tech rising back up to bowl eligibility. It's it's been a long climb for them. It's been five long years since they last went to a bowl game back in 2018. But here they are, six and five, entering this final game of the regular season. Clean, old fashioned hate. And they've gotten to this point on the back of this offense. And it's been quite the reversal in the first year under Brent Key, who's who's their new head coach. Well, he was the interim coach last year for the back half of the season, and he was elevated to the permanent head coach. And they have completely turned things around on offense in one year. The best thing he did is he went out and hired himself a hell of an offensive coordinator. He went and poached Buster Faulkner from us. You guys know that name, right? He was an offensive analyst for us, a, a quality control guy on the offensive side of the ball for three seasons. Going back to 2020, he was heavily responsible for Stetson Bennett's development and growth at the quarterback position, and in many ways, it was almost like Stetson's personal QB coach, and was a former offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. I don't think a lot of people realize that in the Georgia fan base that he actually gave up a sitting offensive coordinator job at Southern Miss to come to Georgia because he thought that would be best for his long-term career, and it's actually kind of paid off. He landed a Power 5 offensive coordinator gig, and he's done a hell of a job in year one. I mean, guys, they were wretched on offense last year. They averaged 325 yards and 17 points per game a year ago in one year under Buster Faulkner. And this is not surprising to me because Buster Faulkner is a really good offense of mine. I have a lot of respect for him. He has elevated that unit to averages of 435 yards per game and 31 points per game. Obviously a stark improvement from last year's totals. And when you watch this Georgia Tech offense on Saturday, I know for a lot of you, it might be the first time that you've laid eyes on Georgia Tech this season and I don't begrudge you for that I mean they haven't been particularly good they've just barely gotten a bowl eligibility but I'm a weirdo um, there's something wrong with me in the head and I happened to watch Georgia Tech probably four times this year prior to this week and then this week I've gone back and watched every game that they have played with the exception of the South Carolina Sticking. and didn't watch that one and trust me when I tell you when you lay eyes on this Tech offense on Saturday you're going to see very much what looks like almost a carbon copy of our offense. Now, it's not the exact same because they don't have the personnel that we have. They don't have the tight ends that we have, so they don't run as much 12 personnel. They will do it occasionally, but that's not really what they're primarily going to run. They're going to run more 11 personnel. But in terms of concepts and formations and motions and shifts... Run game, pass game, they do a lot of what we do. And that just kind of makes sense, right? Buster Faulkner spent the last three years in Athens learning our offense. I know Mike Bobo is our new offense coordinator this year, but it's still very similar to the offense that we ran under Todd Munkin. And Bobo clearly has put his own wrinkles on things and has adjusted things accordingly as the season has gone on. But there's still a lot of carryover from what we've seen in Athens the past three years under Todd Munkin. And so Faulkner has taken a lot of that and implemented it himself on the flats. And when you look more closely at the improvement of this Georgia Tech offense, it's it's crazy. It's been as comprehensive as it has been immediate. I mean, they are they are more proficient offensively, really across the board, whether you're talking about efficiency, explosiveness, whatever, they are better almost across the board in every statistical category than they were a year ago, which I mean, honestly, I guess it's not that hard to be that much better because they were so bad last year, but they have improved, not just by small margins, they have improved dramatically across the board. But while that is true, and they can certainly attack a defense in a variety of ways, this Georgia Tech offense has undeniably leaned on a run game that really, let's be honest, has developed into one of the most efficient and explosive rushing attacks in the country. We are talking about a top 20 rushing attack nationally. They are exactly 20. They are 20th nationally rushing offense, averaging 196 yards per game. They're 8th nationally in yards per rush. 5.4 yards per rush, guys. So you can do that math, right? If they run the football, on average, two rushes and they get a first down. And they're also, in terms of explosiveness, they're ninth in runs of 30 or more yards. So not only are they efficient running the football, but they're explosive. And the biggest part of what makes the Georgia Tech running game so difficult to defend is is that it's not just one guy. They have a number of weapons at their disposal in the run game. Faulkner has a couple of guys they can use to do some things against opposing defenses. There's no doubt who their lead back is. It's a dude named Jamal Haynes. He uh, is from Grayson High School and from Gwinnett County, which is. Very close to where I grew up. I grew up in Gwinnett County. And uh, Grayson was probably, what, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from where I grew up. So I know that program very well. My parents still actually live in that area. They actually live in the Archer area, which is is right there. So he's a rush year sophomore. He's their clear feature back. He leads the team in rushing. He's at 850 yards rushing. He also leads the team in rushing touchdowns. He is their number one guy in the backfield. But he's not the only guy. They also have another guy named Dante Smith who doesn't see as much playing time. But as the season has progressed, like he was injured for a couple games, but he's come back the past couple of weeks, and as the season has progressed, he has really evolved into their, their number two back, and when he was pressed into duty against North Carolina, he put up 178 against the Tar Now, I know North Carolina is not good on defense. That is well established, but hey, man, that's still, that's still doing some work there against a Power Five team, a, a team that's probably going to win nine games this year but he still put up 371 yards on his own as that number two back. And they have a guy that's a transfer from Louisville. His name is Trey Cooley. Uh, He's contributed 274 yards and three touchdowns of his own. He does not play as much, especially now with Dante Smith back from injury. Cooley's not getting near as much run, but he's also a talented option when he does get some time in the backfield. However, as productive as Georgia Tech's running backs have been, and they've been very good for the Jackets this year, it is truly the dimension added by dual-threat quarterback Haynes King that has made the Yellow Jacket run game so difficult for opposing defenses to deal with. That's really what it's been, guys. Haynes King, yeah, you know that name, right? Transfer from Texas A&M, was A&M for a couple years, and they and Jimbo Fisher tried his damnedest, man. He tried so hard to give that guy the, the starting job a couple different times, and it just never really panned out. Injury was a part of that. And if you remember watching A&M, he's got that kind of herky-jerky, weird motion, it's almost impossible to think a guy learned to throw the football that way and actually made it all the way to the college level, power five level, throw the ball that way. He's cleaned it up some this year, but it's still a herky-jerky, weird throwing motion. It's not a quick release. Let's just say that. It looks like he almost like dislocates his shoulder every time he throws the football. It's weird. It's weird, man. But King has come over from Texas A&M, and he's been, I can't say great for Tech because we're going to get to the passing game here shortly, and that's been a borderline disaster for him. But he's been... He's been a big part of what they do in the ground game. He's second on the team in rushing right now, guys. I and mean, he's he's got 624 yards rushing. And that's with sack numbers taken out of that. So this guy has put up some big games on the ground. He ran for 150 against Boston College. He ran for 90 against UNC. He ran for 83 against Virginia. Last week, he ran for 82 against Syracuse. He ran for 53 against Wake. He ran for 53 against Louisville. I mean, this guy is a bona fide running back playing quarterback for Georgia Tech. And he's a big guy. He can take some hits. He's 6'3", 205. He's a long strider, and I'm telling you guys, he's fast, man. He might not look it when you see him out there on the field for the first time. The dude can move. Trust me, he's got another gear he can put that into and pick up some chunks of yards on the ground. And I got to go back and give Buster Faulkner a lot of credit, man. He's done a really good job of molding their offense around the talent that he has on hand, and he knows that Right now, what Haynes King does best for this offense is run the football. So Faulkner has created a very diverse quarterback run game menu for King. It includes, I mean, all the traditional stuff you would see from a a quarterback run game, like a a design QB run game. Of course, the the traditional zone reads, quarterback draws, got some quarterback counters, power, all that kind of stuff. And the reason that makes it so difficult to stop the Georgia Tech run game is because it consistently gives them a plus one scenario in the box. They have the numbers advantage because when the quarterback is running the football, the running back then becomes a blocker. And then if you're also optioning off of somebody and the, and the running back is a blocker, that kind of gives you a plus two scenario sometimes. And that makes it even more difficult for your defense to stop their run game. And then of course, his ability and willingness to pull the ball on zone reads, and he kind of option looks, keeps the defense from crashing down the running backs and can generate some big running lanes for those backs to take advantage of. King's legs are a big part of what Tech does offensively, and a big part of why their run game has been one of the best, most efficient, most explosive run games in the entire country. And I'm going to go back to the Auburn game in week what week five? I want to say it was all those weeks ago now. Think about what happened in that game. What did Auburn do to give us so many issues with their run game, right? They ran for 200 yards. First team to run for over 200 yards against us in like five years, right? Well, how they do that? Largely because they use the quarterback in the run game and create a lot of misdirection, a lot of confusion, and optioned off guys, and they just generally made us think more. And Tech does, they don't do it exactly like Auburn does it, but they use some of the same principles. They use quarterback run game, and I would absolutely say that Haynes King is a more prolific runner than Peyton Thorne. Maybe not as much as Robbie Ashford, but it was Thorne more than Ashford really that was hurting us in that game. He's the one that broke off the longest runs against us. And you have to know, they're going to try to challenge our idisman, especially with Pop Dumas Johnson probably being out again for this game. Who knows? We'll see. But CJ Allen's played really well, but he's still a young guy and he has has some eye-discipline issues at times, like all young guys do. And you know Buster Faulkner is going to try to challenge that. And Buster Faulkner, with his familiarity with our defense, that has another dimension to this, right? I mean, he knows what we do schematically. He understands that. He's seen it up close and personal for three years. And that means he knows what we struggle with defensively. At least he has more of an intimate knowledge of that than really anyone else that we face this year will have knowledge of. So that presents a whole other challenge here. And I will say, generally speaking, It's the players that win the game. Schemes do matter, but when the talent gap is as wide as it is between these two teams right now, you like to think that our talent is just going to be too much for them to overcome, but... Don't put it past them to to find a way to generate some points against our defense guys. Because number one, they're just a good offense, especially running the football. And we are not as good against the run as we have been in years past. As we've said many times, yes, we're still good. We're just not the same run defense that we've had in years past. And he has intimate knowledge of our schemes and Kirby and and Glenn's thought processes and also the personnel that we have on hand defensively. So he's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. And he's going to try to find some ways to generate explosive plays. And that's something that Tech has been fairly good at all season long. But yes, it has been the run game that has really driven this Georgia Tech offense. But as much of a a weapon as Haynes King has been for Georgia Tech in their run game... He has been a massive liability in the passing game. Now, he is actually a talented guy. He's got a really strong arm. Again, his throwing motion is so weird, man. It's hard to even describe. You just have to watch it. And it takes way too long for him to wind up so he doesn't get the ball out very quickly, which I think is going to hurt him when it comes to his NFL draft prospects potentially down the road. But he's got good size. He's a really good athlete. And he's got a strong arm when he actually throws the football. The problem for him, though, is the dude is a turnover machine. He has thrown... 15 interceptions this season. That is ungodly, guys. That Those 15 interceptions are tied for the most interceptions thrown by any quarterback in the country. 15 interceptions. What that really tells you is how much of a threat he is for them in the run game and how important he is to them in the run game because if he wasn't that threat in the run game, you know there's no way they're trotting him back out there every single game throwing 15 freaking interceptions. And when Tech has lost games, even games they probably should have won, what has been the issue? It's been turnovers. Bowling Green, I know we all pointed and laughed at Tech when they lost that game. They lost to Bowling Green. I think that was the same week we played Auburn. They lost them in 38-27. They turned the ball over three times in that game. Clemson, they actually were very competitive with Clemson in the first half of that game until they started turning the ball over. Haynes King threw four interceptions in that game, guys, against Boston College at home. He threw another three picks, and they lost that game to a Boston College team that I think they're probably better than. And beyond the interceptions, he's just a really inefficient quarterback. His completion percentage is fine at sixty-two percent, but we kind of have to reevaluate how we look at completion percentage. You know, back ten years ago, anything above sixty percent, like oh yeah, that's really good. But now, in the era of RPOs and the screen game, kind of proliferating across the country, and all these easy throws, quarterbacks get. 62% is not really great. I mean, Carson Beck's, what, 73%, guys? He's really inefficient in, in most of their games. Now, there have been some games where he's been he's been good. I mean, he's against Virginia, he was 23 of 30 against North Carolina. Again, 23 of 30. Hey, they won that game. When he doesn't throw a lot of picks, they are actually competitive. Against North Carolina, a game they won... He was 23 of 30 for 287, four touchdowns, only one pick. Against Virginia, they won that game 45-17, 23 of 30, 208, one touchdown, zero picks. So if he doesn't turn the ball over, they actually can be a competitive football team, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But then you have games like Miami, where he's 12 of 25 for 151. They won that game because Mario Cristobal lost his freaking mind. Boston College, 14 of 32, one touchdown, three picks. Clemson, 13-31, of two touchdowns, four picks. He is just a wildly inefficient quarterback. And it's really a product of two things. Number one, he's really inaccurate with the football. I think a lot of that has to do with the throwing motion. It's just weird. You don't see it very often Whatever. ever. I've never seen a throwing motion like that. And he's just not consistently accurate with the football. His ball placement is off far too much. And then the other issue is his decision-making. He is just a terrible decision-maker sometimes. And it's inexplicable. He'll throw the ball into ridiculous situations, guys like triple-covered, quadruple-covered. He'll just throw the ball in there. He'll be scrambling, running for his life, trying to make a play happen and just throw a ball into a really tight window they had no business throwing the ball into to get it picked. And it's like, why are you doing these things? But he does it consistently. It's not like it's one of these things where he made a mistake and he learned from it and doesn't do it again. He makes a mistake and then goes back and repeats the mistake again and again and again and again. And when you were talking about a quarterback who has thrown the most interceptions of any quarterback in the United States of America playing a defense that ranks 16th nationally with 12 interceptions on the year. That's a tough matchup for Georgia Tech, especially when I consider our secondary, honestly, this year to be the strength of our defense. Bottom line is we do a really good job of forcing interceptions and they do a really bad job of not throwing interceptions. So that would seem to favor us in a big way in this matchup. But when King is not throwing interceptions and he's not making dumb decisions, he does, again, have talent himself, but he also has a really talented group of receivers to distribute the ball to. His clear top target has been a freshman, a true freshman, a dude by the name of Eric Singleton Jr., and he's a player, man. This guy is a dude. He's gonna be a really good player for Tech for years to come. He leads Tech in basically every single receiving category. He leads them in receptions. He got forty three receiving yards, six hundred ten, and touchdowns. He got six of those on the year. And the dude is a burner. He's small, man. He's like five ten, like a buck seventy five ish. Small, small dude, but he can fly. He's gonna verify 200 meter to his name that he ran last spring. I mean, guys, we're basically talking Arian Smith level type speed and a guy who can actually, oh, I don't know, catch the football. He is a threat to take the top off the defense on every single play. And trust me when I tell you guys, they are going to try to do that. They take shots with them every single game, a couple of shots every game. They're going to dial it up and they're going to challenge you. And they'll move him around. They they like to use him in the slot, but they'll use them out wide too. So Tyke Smith, better be ready because they are going to try to take shots with this guy vertically down the field. It'll be interesting to see how we try to approach this. Are we going to try to play with a too high safety shell most of the game and try to bracket him over the top? But you know that's tough when Tech runs the ball as well as they do. I think that's going to be a big key for us. Can we stop the Georgia Tech run game, at least contain the Georgia Tech run game, without having to bring safeties in the box on a, on a consistent basis? Because if we can't, that's going to create those one-on-one matchups for them on the outside. A lot like, a lot like Tennessee was trying to do last week, Tech is going to try to do that with Singleton. And that dude is a Jalen Hyatt caliber speed guy on the outside for Tech. He can absolutely burn us in a way that tech, that Tennessee's receivers last week simply were not equipped to do. And again, with King's ability to run the football, it poses more issues for us trying to stop their run game with even numbers because they're already going to have the, the numbers advantage in the box with King being a threat to run the football from the quarterback position. And he is much more of a threat to run the football than Joe Milton is. I mean, Milton ran the ball. He, they'll run him, but not like Tech runs hangs King. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup to watch here. How are we going to approach it trying to slow down a, a dynamic Tech rushing attack At the same time, while trying to maintain that structural integrity on the back end and not allow Eric Singleton to get that one-on-one coverage in the secondary where he's got a really good chance to exploit that because he can just run flat by people, guys. I mean, 10-2, 10-200 meter stuff. That is elite speed, not just at the college level, but at any level for any receiver. But while Singleton's clearly their guy, he's not the only dude they got. They got a couple other guys that that can make plays for them as well. Malik Rutherford's been more of a possession type receiver for them this year. He's played that role for them. He's got 442 yards on 41 receptions, so about 10 yards per catch. And Dominic Blaylock, who we all know very well, I still don't quite know how to feel about Dom. I mean, I love him for everything he did for our program and the, the adversity he went through, but he did go to Georgia Tech, and that's. That's tough. That's a tough pill for me to swallow. That's a tough pill for me to swallow, man. I gotta be honest with you there. But yes, former Georgia receiver Dominic Blaylock is playing for Tech, and he's had a solid year for them. He's not been their go-to option. Hasn't even been their second-best option. But he's he's been a guy that has shown the ability to make some plays for them when he's gotten opportunities. And we know we we know from firsthand experience he can be a valuable part of an offense. He's a, at the very least a very good possession receiver who can make tough catches and keep those chains moving. So yeah, guys, this tech offense is going to is going to pose a challenge for us, and I know that you probably don't want to believe that because we're talking about Georgia Tech, but this is a top thirty offense nationally. Offensively, this is a worthy adversary. Now we're going to get to the defense side of the ball in a few minutes, and that's not quite the case over there. But offensively, they can do some things if they're not turning the ball over. Key for us is going to be trying to find a way to force them to turn the ball over, slow down their run game without having to commit too many resources to the box, and in, in doing that. And then try to keep Singleton from exploiting you vert- vertically down the field. This is a game where we've got to make Tech earn it. They have they have this propensity for explosive plays, but we're gonna have to make them earn it, earn their way down the field. Because when the, when a team turns the ball over as much as they do. If you force them to go on 10, 11, 12 play drives, chances are far more than not on most drives, they're going to turn the ball over at some point. So you can't give up these explosive plays where you limit the opportunities you have to make them turn the football over. But at the end of the day, this Georgia Tech offense is. I mean, it's a significant upgrade over the units that the Yellow Jackets if they're not there in the past five, six years. But I will also say this, I mean, let's be fair, in, in a lot of ways, Tech has feasted on lesser competition. They do play in the ACC, and the ACC is not very good. They have not played Florida State. Um, the three games that the Yellow Jackets went for over 500 or more yards this season uh, were against North Carolina, Virginia, and South Carolina State. N- North Carolina and Virginia ranked 92nd and 98th nationally, respectively, in total defense. While I mean, South United State's an FCS team, so they don't even qualify to be ranked. So they are they put up big numbers against those teams, but against the best defenses they have faced this season: Louisville, Miami, and Clemson. Those are the three top three defenses that that they have played this year. Texas only averaged 330 yards per game and only 3.9 yards per play. And this Georgia defense is absolutely the best defense that Georgia Tech will have faced to this point in the season. So what history tells us through the first 11 games of the season is that against this type of defense, as good as the Tech offense has been, it hasn't been nearly as productive and dangerous. All right, guys. Before we flip things over to the demons' side of the ball, I do want to quickly remind you about our great friends at Alumni Hall, dude. It's so crazy. I just walked into Alumni Hall today, and I felt like I was walking into—I know this sounds ridiculous. I felt like I was walking into like Santa's workshop because they had so many Georgia Christmas accessories that it really was like Christmas Day in there. It was insane. So if you're looking to get in the holiday spirit, decorate the house, I know. Your loved ones might enjoy that. Your kids, your spouses, significant others might be really into that thing. So go ahead and go to Alumni Hall right now. Go in-store, inside the Edgebridge Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com and check out all the new great georgia christmas accessories that they've got to to make your house the most festive christmas house this holiday season they got ornaments they got stockings they got everything you want that is relating to christmas trust me on that and of course they have all the best georgia gear that you're going to find anywhere best brands best selection best customer service it's a no-brainer guys visit alumni hall today because alumni hall is where the bulldogs shop All right, guys, so I feel sufficiently dirty saying some positive things about the Georgia Tech offense that's not something that I enjoy doing. Trust me on that. So here is where I'm excited to get the chance to actually make fun of how bad Georgia Tech has been defensively because, guys, they have been absolutely dreadful on defense. Yes, their offense has seen an immediate turnaround this season and has helped drive them to their first poses and birth in birth and in five years. But that has been largely in spite of a defense that is among the nation's worst in a variety of, of statistical categories, guys. I mean, they're giving up 438 yards per game, which ranks them dead last in the ACC and 119th nationally in total defense. They also rank 13th or worse in the ACC in scoring defense, rushing defense, and yards per play allowed. They're giving up half points per game, they're giving up 6.2 yards per play, guys. That's insane. 6.2 yards per play. So again, on average, you are running two plays, you get a first down against Georgia Tech's defense. That's what's happening right now with this yellow jacket defense. That is terrible. That's awful. Now, their demons coordinator is another blast from the past for us Georgia fans, Kevin Shearer. So he was on staff with Mark Rick in the latter years of of his tenure here in Athens. He was uh, our outside linebacker's coach under Kirby Smart. He stayed on for Kirby's first two years, and then uh, he left after that, and now he went to the NFL, and now he's back in the college game at Georgia Tech as their demons coordinator. So just another guy on their staff who has a lot of insight into our program and what we like to do. But man, Shearer has been a good coach for a long time, but it, it has not been pretty for them this year. They have given up 400 or more yards of offense in all but three of their 11 games this year, guys. And they've given up 500 or more three different times. And the only top 20 offense that they've played so far was North Carolina. And Tech in that game against North Carolina gave, gave up a season high 577 yards of offense to the Tar Heels. And we just so happen to be bringing the nation's number four offense in the country to Atlanta on Saturday night. So as you might imagine, it's going to be tough going for this Georgia Tech defense that has struggled so mightily all year long in almost every way. But while they have struggled in, in most categories defensively this year, it has been the rush defense that has been the most glaring issue by far for the Yellow Jackets. I mean, they're giving up 222 yards per game on the ground, guys. Two 22. That is dead last in the ACC and get this, 131st nationally in rushing defense. Guys, there's only 133 teams in the FBS this year. They're 131. They're the worst power five team in the country against the run. They have given up 200 or more yards rushing in seven games and are giving up a absolutely staggering 5.29 yards per rush. That's insane guys and look the issues are are manifold for georgia tech defensively but more than anything it's personnel based that's really what it comes down to it's brent key's first full year running the georgia tech program and he simply has not had enough time to amass the type of talent that he needs to compete at a high level against power five competition they just don't have the dudes and I don't think they'll ever get the dudes. I think Brent Key will recruit at a higher level than what Tech has seen. I mean, Jeff Collins really tried to do that, but he was just kind of a Dan Mullen, weird, cringy, creepy kind of dude. And Brent Key is cut from the Saban cloth, man. Like He knows how to build a program the way that Kirby Smart knows how to build a program is he was working with the same guy. He wasn't with Saban as long as Kirby was, but he learned a lot of the tricks of the trade from the same guy. He is a no-nonsense type coach It really wants to build his entire program in our image. Like If you really think about it, that's what they're trying to do offensively. They went and hired a guy that had been working with us for three years and because they wanted to implement a very similar style of offense that runs the football and works play action off of that. That's really what they try to do offensively. And he wants to play a tough, aggressive style of defensive football. I mean, they're basically... I mean, he went and hired Kevin Shearer, who worked at Alabama, guys. They run a very similar defense to what we run. Their offense is very similar to ours. Their defense is very similar to ours. They are trying to build their program in our image. And why would you not? We're talking about the two... Two-time defending national champion. That's his vision for this team. But the problem is they just aren't there yet, man. They're not even close to there yet. They don't have the personnel, man. They just do not have the dudes, and it shows. And they're just like against the better teams that they play. They just they can't hold up. They're getting pushed around, getting moved around. They don't have the guys to compete against the better teams on their schedule, even the guys compete against like the the halfway decent teams on their schedule. For trying to be honest, now saying that, I don't want to suggest that Tech doesn't have any good players on the defensive side of the ball, because that would be misleading. They do have a couple guys in spots. They have a couple guys I think are nice building blocks for the future. The The guy that stands out the most to me on tape when I watch George Tech, and every game that I watch him play, he flashes. Now he doesn't do it consistently because he's too big, and he's not in great shape, and he can't play at a high level for extended periods of time because he just gets tired, he gets worn out, gets gassed. But junior defensive lineman Zeke Biggers is a playmaker on the interior of the defensive line when he is giving max effort, which again doesn't happen all the time, it reminds me a lot of Deion Walker for for Kentucky, but when he is giving max effort and he's not gassed, that dude is trouble man, like he gives offensive lines a lot of problems, he's 6'6", 330, and he's that kind of guy that possesses a very rare blend of size and athleticism that gives him the ability to at times just straight up blow up plays before they even get started i mean i don't want to say jordan davis because that's not fair because he is not jordan davis but he can do some of the things that jordan davis does in terms of the size athleticism combination he's not as big as jordan not quite as big as jordan but he can he shows the ability to do nfl things he just doesn't do them consistently enough i mean you'll see him out there it's hard to miss him big number 88. You can't really see the name on the back of the jersey because he's got dreads and kind of hangs down the back of his his jersey, but he's a force when he's ready and willing to play. Again, it just doesn't happen all the time, but he is a good player that can give us some problems. There's no doubt the interior there, we got to be ready to play and be able to defend a guy like that, especially if Tate Radledge cannot go in this game. And Look, I I like Micah Morris. He's done a really, really good job for us. I think he's got a, a lot of strength, especially in his lower half, but He's going to be challenged just like Cedric Van Parents going to be challenged just like Dylan Fairchild is going to be challenged by biggers when he is, he's ready to play. So he's one guy to certainly watch there. And the other guy to watch on their defensive front, it's not really a defensive lineman. He's more of an outside linebacker. He plays that role for them. He's got a guy by the name of Kyle Kennard. So we'll say front six, right? So Kyle Kennard is their best edge player. He leads a team with six sacks. He's a, he is a legitimate pass rusher. Now, he's an undersized guy. He's 6'5", 238, so in a lot of ways, it's kind of like James Pierce Jr. from Tennessee, uh, kind of like Dallas Turner in a way from Alabama, where he's not a big-time run defender because he doesn't really have the size to be able to do that consistently, so I'm always an advocate against players like that to run the ball at them because you're asking them to play left-handed and, and do what they don't do very well when you ask them to do that if you let them just pin their ears back and rush the passer you're playing right into their strings but he is he's a really good speed rusher that's really kind of more what he is at this stage in his career but he is able to use that athleticism to get pretty consistent pressure on the quarterback so he's the guy to watch on the edge for this Georgia Tech defense but I mean if you look at Tech's defense in totality yes Kennard is a good pass rusher he's eighth in the SEC in sacks himself but as a whole the Tech defense does not rush their passer well. I mean, they are 12th in the ACC and 108th nationally with only 18 sacks on the season. That's fine if you're kind of like us where you sacrifice big-time sack numbers to be really good against the run. But when you're as bad as they are against the run, giving up 222 yards per game, the worst team in all the Power 5 football against the run, and you're only putting up 18 sacks, so you're not efficient against the run, and you're not disruptive, Then, what do you do well? Nothing is the answer, nothing, and that's why their defense has been so dreadfully bad this year. They are one, I mean, and also go back tackles for loss, guys. They're 111th nationally in tackles for loss, so they can't stop the run, they can't sack the quarterback, they can't create negative plays, and that is why this Georgia Tech defense has been one of the worst defenses in the entire country all year long. And given those issues, stopping the run, it just makes sense, right? Naturally. Teams have leaned on the run when they've played Georgia Tech. Teams have run the ball 60% of their offensive snaps combined against Georgia Tech teams aren't really trying to throw the ball that much because they don't have to because why would you if you just run the football down their throat which, which basically every team they played has more or less been able to do so the secondary hasn't been tested all that much but when they have been they've at least fared better than the front six has against the run so there's that I guess you could say the Tech secondary is the strength of their defense but of course that's all relative when you factor in how they've played against the run um, they're giving up 215 yards per game through the air, which is about middle of the pack in the ACC, middle of the pack nationally. They're 8th in the ACC, 51st nationally in passing defense. But they have been really prone to give them explosive plays through the air. They're giving up 38 plays, passing plays of 20 or more yards, which is a, which is 13th in the ACC. So teams aren't throwing the ball all that much against them. But think about that, guys. So teams are only throwing the ball 40% of their offensive snaps against Tech, but they still giving it up. 38 passing plays of 20 or more yards, which is 13th in the ACC. So they're giving explosive plays at a very high rate through the air this season. They do have a lot of veterans back there in the secondary, so they don't necessarily blow a lot of coverages. They're just, again, they're just outmatched from a personnel standpoint. Probably their best guy. Uh, he's played a long, a lot of football for them, man. He's been around for a long time. It's a dude by the name of Jalen King, He's a redshirt senior. Um, he is second in the SEC right in the ACC I should say right now with four interceptions they got two corners that are solid players Amari Harvey Miles Sims they're both veterans play a lot of football and then KJ Wallace at, at the nickel corner spot I think he's the guy that I would attack a lot in this defense I don't think he's particularly good honestly I don't think any of their corners are really that good I think we can create some explosive plays in the passing game against any of those guys but again we're talking about relatively speaking what's the best part of their defense what do they do best and I, it's I guess it's defending the pass because they are just so abysmally bad against the run. So what do you do against a Georgia Tech defense like this? What is the way? To, the best way to attack them? Well, really just about anything, right? Because they're not really particularly good at stopping anything an offense does. But I think this is a defense that we are really well-equipped to attack. I think running 12 personnel liberally would be in our favor in this game. Just try to run the football and see if we can just run the football down their throat and limit their ability to create turnovers. As, as bad as they have been turn the ball over themselves they actually do a good job of forcing turnovers they're top 10 nationally in interceptions so i mean carson's been so so good for us guys and he's been in control and with a team that can't really rush the passer very well at all against one of the better offensive lines in the country even if tate Riley just not playing We've got marius mims back i don't imagine that they're going to be able to pressure carson very well or do things to him they're going to really confuse him or cause him issues but like if you don't have to throw the football you, you don't want to right like if we can run the football and, and drop 250, 300 yards rushing on them. Why not do that like we did against Ole Miss? And then when you do that and you're running 12 personnel and you've now got Brock Bowers and Oshardell both in the game, you have the ability to create a lot of mismatches in the passing game where you can create some explosive plays. And once again, yes, the Georgia Tech secondary, while it's the best part of what they do, they still go give up a high rate of explosive play. So I think if we run 12 personnel, we're going to run the football consistently on them. And then when they try to sell out to stop that, when we have the two tight ends on the field, they have to respond with heavier defensive packages with their base personnel. And when they have their base personnel on the field, we're going to be able to exploit that with with Bowers and Delp and Love Lovett and, and hopefully Ladd, if he's able to play in this game, we'll see. But this is a game where offensively, I don't think you have to get too cute. I think you just do what Georgia does because I don't think that Tech can stop it. They don't have the players to stop it. And if if for some reason they're giving us troubles, that's a bad sign moving forward the rest of the season, guys. Because if we can't run the ball in Tech and if we can't move the ball relatively at will against this defense, that does not bode well for the games that we have coming up in the very near future. But as far as keys to the game, guys, I mean, when you're talking about a team like Tech that runs the ball as well as they do, you got to stop the run. You got to play with great eye discipline with how they use their quarterback in the run game. And especially in the secondary, you cannot get caught with your eyes in the backfield. You cannot get caught biting heavily, triggering heavily on on the run action, on that play action. Because if you do, you're going to give Eric Singleton Jr., 10, 200-meter dude, the split second he needs to get past you. That's all he needs, guys. He needs one step. One step and he is gone and you are not catching that guy. So let's stop the run. Play with really good eye discipline. Maintain a 2 high safety shell offensively, let's just avoid turnovers. If we do not turn the football over and give them short fields and give them easy scores, if we don't give up special team scores, all those things that teams have to do to give inferior teams a chance to come even remotely close to pulling an upset, let's just not do those things. Just play a clean, solid football game. I know all this sounds so simplistic when I'm talking about these keys to this game, but when the talent gap is as wide as it is between these two teams, it really can be that simple. Yes, the Georgia Tech offense is a, a worthy adversary, at least much more so than they have been in years past, but they have also really struggled against the best even they have faced, and this just so happens to be the best defense that they will have faced all season long. But alright guys, I am fading now, uh, I thought it was fine starting the show, now we've gone for uh, almost, almost 50 minutes here, so uh, my voice is fading, my, my body is fading, so I gotta get out of here, but I appreciate you guys, I hope you all know that, let's go get this W on Saturday and never forget Georgia Tech Sucks. And as always, go dogs.